0: Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, what we're talking about today is Very simple, but very important. I think that this is one of the most important subjects that a disciple of Jesus Christ must arm his or herself with. You see, there are metaphors of Christian devotion, metaphors, real life experiences used to explain spiritual things. And so the Bible describes spiritual devotion, for instance, as a race. And he says, the same way many run a race, but one receives the prize, he says, run that you may obtain, meaning when I watch sports, which I like to, and I see the level of devotion and commitment they put into that, that can inspire me in my Christian journey. He says, they do that for a corruptible price. He says, you for incorruptible, meaning it should inspire me. Their diligence just to win a medal. How much more should I be willing to be spent and to spend to win souls? And then the Bible also uses the metaphor of warfare. <laughs> it says you should endure hardness as a soldier of Christ. Can you not person by the side say endure hardness? Hardness. KJV says endure hardship. I mean, this is this is a level of. Spiritual discipleship, a lot of people are not used to. I think, anyway, let me not get ahead of myself. I want to show you something very important. A very crucial aspect of Christian development. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, a flow of thought from what I earlier said, that God uses the metaphor of warfare to teach us about Christian devotion. He says, for we wrestle not... Meaning there's a wrestling. It's not just the type you watch on TV. It's not just UFC. But there's a wrestle. Not against flesh and blood. Not against principalities and powers. Not against rulers of darkness. Sorry, I beg beg your pardon. Not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers. Against rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness. In heavenly places. They might not have taught you that in geography. They might have taught you different types of clouds. They might have taught you about the atmosphere. But he says there is such a thing as wickedness in high places. When you walk out of your house every day, the psalmist tells you that there are arrows that fly by day, <laughs> just the same way, um, there is scientific technology, and then there are radio waves, five G, and all these things flying over your head. That's how come you have network on your phone. You can't see them with your naked eyes, but they are there. Such is the realm of the spirit. Please, are you listening to me? And so he's telling you there is wrestling going on, and then he tells you what to do. He says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. And then he uses the metaphors of ancient weapons of war. Picture an ancient soldier and how they used to dress. They have a helmet. They have a breastplate, you know, and then they have this belt he uses to describe the belt of truth and all those things. You notice that when you look at that uniform, you have weapons that are both offensive and defensive. Is that true? And so you have the sword of the spirit, but you also have the shield of faith. And what is the shield of faith used for? It says that you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And the reason I read that to you as a beginning of my flow of thought is because it seems like the church has been more centered on the offenses. Offensive. We have taught people how to fight. We have not taught people how to defend. Come on, are you with me? Sports fans here know that you can't win a championship with only attack. You must have some defense. Is that true or false? You must have some defense. Some months ago, I was learning how to spar. Because I'm just naturally curious. I learn things I may never need. I hope I don't need. We'll talk about it when we have men's meeting. I I believe that every man should at least have some basic form of defense. He must be able to inflict harm. (laughs) I'm sure you can see I'm smiling. You think I'm joking. If you, have, if you have a family, you must be able to inflict harm. I'm not joking. It's a wicked word. I'm not saying be a professional, at least know something. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen all those videos? Pranks, they try to scare a couple and let the husband wrong first. <laughs> that's how, you see, that, that's how God saves you from the wrong marriage. If They prank you with the dating, and the whole person has been asking you out with deep voice. Uh, you know, you climb pole, <laughs> just, just run, <laughs> please. Are you listening to me? You know, and you know, there are different types of punches, and I was learning all of that and the mechanics of, of it all, you know, how that. The strength of a punch comes from your whole body. You swing your legs. Just by swinging your legs, the punch is more devastating. And all those things are nice. And then, I think one of the things that discouraged me, because I stopped learning, I might resume later. But one of the things that discouraged me is I realized it's sweet to learn how to punch. But you are not a fighter until you can take punches. Do you realize that? You know, it's, it's very nice to watch video highlights. Have you seen people do doing like this? Do you see all those things? Guess what? in the ring? The person you're fighting will not stay for you to be doing like this. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn nice moves. You know, someone said, I think it was Mike Tyson, who said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> you plan when you're planning. You see if I enter like this I <laughs> will just you know <laughs> when they blow you for yeah <laughs> If they punch you here yeah. <laughs> because you've learned all the styles of punching the jab <laughs> you know the, you know you know the crosses you know the hooks all those things can you take a punch? And so there is something in boxing, which we've titled the Sermon After. It's called the glass jaw. And it describes the phenomenon of some fighters who are so vulnerable, they can be knocked out by one punch to the jaw. And there's a particular fighter who went unbeaten for a while on people, until people discovered that about him. He can't take a punch to the jaw. The moment the first person discovered, that was the end. You have only one game plan. This guy is a devastating striker, but he cannot take a punch. A lot of Christians are like that. They can pray. Ah, you know, there are different styles of prayer now. (laughs) You know, there's one that is trending now. Have you heard of Amapiano prayer? See, I think heaven must have social media. Like, <laughs> angels just come and laugh. That, <laughs> they, they pass iPad. By the way, the first tablet was given, was created by God. Tablet of stone. Yeah. You see, you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So imagine they pass tablet. Yeah? See these people, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> prayer. Let's pray. <laughs> I'm just like. I hope you are focused you. otherwise, as I pray, the devil is coming closer. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it? Repeat. <laughs> if there, you never see. <laughs> I don't even have time to argue whether it's right or wrong. All I know is if you have seen real warfare there are some things you won't have time for. Real warfare. Real warfare. Eh? Yeah? I don't want to give you examples. If you have seen real warfare you will not know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you not get time. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we've learned how to pray. We've learned how to fast. We've learned how to share the word. All the religious calisthenics and the Christianese, bless you. But I've said it before, I'm saying it again. Many people are one tribulation away from apostasy. One tribulation away. They just taught you small, small. God, where were you? (laughs) Glass jaw, well done. (laughs) They They don't blow you for jaw. Hallelujah. You must train for it. Please, are you listening to me? I might have said a lot of things jokingly, but this is serious. This is your life. This is your life. So much to say, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me say this to you. You may not have known this, but I'm telling you now. When it comes to spiritual legislature, the way the courtroom of heaven, the heavenly realm works, you have to understand that (laughs) the devil has rights. Oh, my God. Did you hear what I said? The devil has rights. And so negotiations can occur. So when Jesus was on the earth, you know, for instance, the, the, the demons asked him, have you come to destroy us before our time? They know it's not their time. You can cast us out, but you cannot destroy us. Is that not a legal system? Answer me. Is that not right? So, so you have to understand that the devil has rights. Just the same way we have a legal structure on the earth. Even when a person is arrested, he has rights. He has a right to a lawyer. Isn't that not a right? Amongst other things. So the devil has rights. And one of the rights, for instance, of the devil is to at least engage you in a fight. It's a right. So, when he went to Job and saw that there was a hedge, he went to complain. And some of you don't really understand why. I'm explaining why now. It's because he has a right. Listen, faithfulness is not enough for your protection. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, that there's nobody like Job in all the earth. That's nice. Warfare is different. At least there must be a fight. Are you getting it? Some of you will understand. I don't really have enough time to explain what happened with Job. Because some of you, till now, you're like, why would God allow? The reason God even brought up the conversation first is because he knew why the adversary was there and he knew he was on his rights. He has to be tried. His security is his knowledge and his information about warfare. Let me give you another example. (laughs) Jesus comes and says, Simon, Simon, son of Bajona, the devil seeks to have you. Leave KJV. It will not sink. Just imagine Jesus comes to someone and says, the devil is looking for you. (laughs) The devil is trying to catch you. What will you expect Jesus to say? But I stopped him. Don't worry. That's not what he said. He said, But I've prayed for you that your faith will not what? Meaning the fight must happen. Are you with me? The fight must happen. There are trials that you will only walk through, you must walk past. It's like you're going under the bridge and temporarily you cannot see the sky. Don't curse the darkness. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The only way out is to walk through. Are you with me? so, So you must understand that seasons like that will exist. And if you have not seen them, I'm not a prophet of doom to tell you, they are coming. And there are times... That your advantage will be attack. I can pray and things will change. You know, I can fast and situations will, you know. But there are times your advantage will be defense. And so you must strengthen your jaw. <laughs> Please, are you listening to me? Come on, I said, are you listening to me? This is... Very serious. Very serious. Something I've said time and again, unfortunately, in the church, one of the things that makes Christians even more vulnerable to attack, one of the things that makes people more more vulnerable to attacks is wrong teaching, unfortunately. Some of us We have wrong expectations because we have not been taught the word of God. You know, one thing I always noticed, and just in case you've not heard me say this before, as I'm building my case, I want to address this. When you go to Hebrews chapter 11, almost every sermon I ever heard on this growing up, thank God for those sermons. They're very important, very needed, very stirring, but most of them were incomplete. Most people, when they're teaching from Hebrews chapter 11, stop at the early verses. They never get down. And they show you what people, great heroes of faith, enjoyed because of their faith. And they refuse to tell you what they endured because of their faith. Are you with me? And that balance is important. Because in Hebrews 11, you see the balance between the attack, and the defense. You are not a fighter until you have both. And in verse 32 of Hebrews 11, it says, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson, of Jephthah and also David and Samuel, And of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. This is the teaching of faith we are used to. They subdued kingdoms. Faith subdues. Faith conquers. You know, and this is the teaching of faith. That most of us know. Unfortunately, the only teaching of faith many of us know. Walk righteousness. Obtain promises. Stop the mouth of lions. Quench the violence of the fire escaped the edge of the sword, out of weaknesses were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fly the armies of aliens, whose women received their dead back to life again. And then he says, others were what? Listen, I don't know about you, I almost never heard of this earlier in my Christian work. It is true some stopped the Mount of lions. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. And he's not saying this so that you pity them. This is also a testimony of faith. Come on, are you with me? It is equally a testimony of faith to stop the mouth of lion and to endure hardship without compromising. Both are testimonies of faith. And so faith is not marked by what you enjoy by it, but also by what you endure for it. Come on, are you with me? see, I am trying to establish in your mind the consciousness of an attack and of a defense. Both are important. And after giving you the examples of all these great men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, he now comes to chapter 12, and in verse 2, he says, look into Jesus. Come on, are you with me? Oh, my God. Now, we are used to looking to Jesus for salvation. I've told you time and again that in Christ is not just a message to believe, but an example to emulate. So he's saying, looking to Jesus now, not for salvation as important as that is, the author and finisher of faith, our example in suffering. Learn this about Jesus. Learn this from Jesus. Don't just look to him to be saved. It is true the Bible says look and live. But also there is a lesson, there's a call to look and learn. Learn about hardship. Learn about suffering. Who for the joy set before him, despised the shame, endured the cross, and is sat down at the right hand of God. Come on, are you with me? So there is a lesson to learn from Jesus when it comes to enduring hardship. So the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter two, verse five, it says, let this mind, this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So you don't just look at Jesus and believe in him. Oh, he died for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. You died for my sins. There is also a part of it where he says, take up your cross. You to come and die. Endure hardship. As a good soldier of Christ, I believe that with the word of God properly taught, Christians will be the strongest people on the earth because we have an example in suffering. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, there is an example. There is a fortitude, a stamina, an emotional consistency that you derive from the example of your Christ. He's the author and finisher. He's your example. He says, look to Jesus. Some of you have not seen him that way. If you hear, say, I hear. Emulate him. Look to him. He did not consider equality with God something to grasp. But he made himself of no reputation. I'll talk about that later. Took the form of a servant. He says he was obedient unto death. So listen, he's talking about the extent of the obedience. That's the lesson here. Even the death of the cross... He died. God raised him up. All right, let's move on. So he says, looking unto Jesus, right? The author and the finisher of faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of God. There is so much I'm itching to say about that, but I want to wrap up my sermon that way. And listen, what if you learned from that in the practical areas of your life? that even in the lower, the, the lowest herbs of your life, you refuse to give up because you have your example in Christ? Come on, are you with me? Are people give up too easily these days. I think I have the right to say so. What if you allowed Christ to be the example of your fortitude? Listen, you know what the writer of Hebrews says? He says, you have not even been te- tested up to death. Your life is not threatened. Most of you, your life is not threatened. So how much more? If my example was obedient unto death, that's an example to emulate. And so when my business, for instance, listen, primarily, fundamentally, the example here is about spiritual things. But how much more can out things? Are you with me? So when my business is so threatened, it looks like there is no way out. I have an example in Christ. I know how to go through tough times. I know how to handle it. You know what? I think I'm going to create an opportunity to talk on that. There's a lot Christians need to learn. Let me say this to you. Are you with me? Are you aware that you don't need a dream and interpretation to be able to survive seven years of famine if you had seven years of plenty prior Did you hear what I just said? If you had seven years of plenty, you don't need dream and interpretation to be able to survive seven years of famine. You don't! I know you believe in divine supply, but you see, you have to understand you are in a fallen world. And it's not a prophecy of doom to let you know that you have to understand that even in business there can be bad seasons, Have you ever heard the pastor say this? I hope you have. I'm telling you now. So there is such a thing as savings. There is such a thing as wise planning, investments. Don't eat up all you have. Don't flex it all away. And then tomorrow, it's just been months since you had plenty. Now you have nothing. And you're saying, God, where are you? Open the windows of heaven. That's irresponsible. Are you with me? I think there is a training for handling crises Christians need to learn. In relationship, you see, this is one of the most vulnerable because every other thing is dependent on you. If it is success in life, you know that if you work hard, at least you have a chance. But in relationship... If the person you love say, I'm not doing it again, there's nothing you can do. Are you aware? So, especially for those of you dating, know this and no peace. Listen, if they say, I am not interested anymore, there is nothing you can do. See, there are some things you must establish in your mind for peace sake. You love me, I love you. We're going to give it our best. I have a commitment to God to be faithful, to love you consistently. If tomorrow you say you're not doing it, there's nothing I can do. And then I try. I don't, uh, what does that mean? What are you trying to say? And as someone wisely said, understand that every breakup is premeditated. It's not when the person told you that the person decided he does not want to do it again. The person decided since. And has had more time than you realize to think it through. And has probably already made up his or her mind. Doing a lot of crying and convincing may not work. Listen. Thank God for love and all these things, especially in the dating phase. But you must have more assurance. Come on, are you with me? Thank God for love, but that's not the author and finisher of your faith. Otherwise, you are finished. (laughs) Some of you, you have set up yourself for heartbreak, unintentionally. Learn to take it slow. Learn to calm down. This generation... When someone says I will be with you, many times they mean it. too. they thought they meant it. Honestly, you see, before you judge them, has it not happened to you before? You know, when I say things like this, everybody will just assume. You no, know, everybody, there's nobody here that has broken hearts before. You are following? You don't on our day here. I know you are here. There are probably people you swore to. Ah, I will catch green for you. <laughs> You you said things like I will cut the grenade, swallow it, and excrete it in the toilet. But my love for you will never, you know. You've said nice things, and here you are. So there is also <laughs> an aspect of understanding that it's human nature. Many of them were not lying; they meant it. They wanted to try. It did not work. Sorry. Why am I saying this? These are just practical areas of defense so that you can guard your heart. Know it ahead of time. Love all men. Trust God ultimately. Understand that man will try, but will still be man. People are like extreme these days. They say, Don't trust Adam. I, I disagree. I think you can trust Adam, but to tread carefully. You go, they trust Adam. Adam. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith, there is a hardness to endure in Christ. He says, take up your cross and come after me. So what, now he says, look to Jesus. Now we're looking. What is there to learn? And I want to run through that as fast as possible. What is, what is the mindset that I should have? Number one. Number one, you learn that pain can be useful. Oh, my God. This goes against everything that you're used to, everything that your natural senses will, will, will point to you. But you see, in the Word of God, and even by experience, you learn that pain can be useful. You know, I was listening to a man named John Lennox years ago, and he said something very profound. He said even the way our nervous system works... Pain is very useful because if you dip your hand into fire unknowingly, the pain warns you that you are doing something wrong. Are you with me? Some of you, yeah, you, why are you doing like you don't understand what I'm saying? And so if you touch something, if you touched a hot surface in split seconds, God has designed a mechanism for warning you. A signal will be sent to your brain. You are touching something you are not supposed to touch. Pain has saved your life in that way many times. Are you with me? And so pain can be useful. And you see, like in many other aspects of life, the natural is a pointer to the spiritual. And so just the same way, there are many things that we can benefit from pain. Unfortunately, we are more obsessed with the reason for pain. Jesus walks to a man who has been lame 38 years and would ask him a simple question. Will you be made whole? And he says, I have no man. Because, listen, before you laugh at him, think about the fact that without knowing, we do that many times, more often than we realize. We are more obsessed with the reason for our pain. The reason I'm here, the reason I stayed here this long is because nobody carried me. I have no man. But when you study the Bible carefully, you see that the Bible is more particular about the usefulness of pain than the origin or the reason for pain. And so the book of James tells you, count it all joy when you go through diverse tests. Listen, when it comes to the origin, he tells you, let no one say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. Because some of you say, why, why, God, why do you allow this to happen to me? It's not God. Let me surprise you. Many times it's the devil, not all the time. Sometimes it's just life. The world is fallen and broken. The devil doesn't always have to prompt someone to wish you bad. Are you aware? There's there's human nature, fallen human nature. Things like jealousy, strife. It is convenient to accuse God for everything accuse the devil for everything, there is something called flesh, the fallen human nature of man. Please, are you with me? And so what does the Bible say? It says, count it all joy. Listen, meaning stop being obsessed about why it is there, how it is there, the reason and all of that, and start seeing how that joy, joy can spring forth from it, from that pain. That pain can become useful. Oh my God. Open that text very quickly. James chapter 1 verse 2. I know it is easier said than done. But this is the word of God. Amen. James chapter 1 from verse 2. Count it all joy when you fall into divers trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It says, but patience, when it has had its perfect walk, you will be perfect an entire lacking nothing. I, I think I was in SS3 when I was studying new research. I think it is called waste to energy. How you can convert waste and use it to make electricity. And I might be extra about it, but I think that this is akin to what the Bible tells us to do with our trials. He says that that pain can produce patience. And that patience, when it has done its full work, you will be perfect and the entire lacking nothing. Pain can be useful. Pain can birth experience. There are some things you are good at, and you learned the hard way. Isn't it true? Has it happened, you see someone making a mistake you made years ago, and you just smile. Ah. Has it happened, because of all the bad heartbreaks you've had in the past, That when one guy came to you trying to lie to you, just from his communication, just from his vibe, you know, you know, not them. (laughs) That pain became useful. It gave you experience. You can smell it from a mile away. When someone calls you on the phone, he says, I'm calling from your bank. I notice your ATM card is not, we really need to update it. Please help me turn the back of your ATM. There's a number. That, listen, years ago, a lot of people made way with stuff like that. But either personal pain or the pain of others has given you experience. The moment I was given the example, you'll say, ah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The reason this is important is because. Many of us have repeated lessons we should have learned. You are more obsessed with the reason of pain. You have not learned any lesson. And some people, they are in a cycle of bad decisions, bad relationships. The last one broke. You cried. You still entered the wrong one again. And so, hear the word of the Lord. Don't waste your time. Pain. Are you with me? And sometimes we are so eager to come out of it, we, especially when it comes to relationships. I don't know why I'm talking about relationships. Maybe there's someone here, the Lord. And usually when I'm prophetic, I stand around where? <laughs> you know, let me go away so that. Please, are you listening to this? This is very important. Some people, in the determination to recover from the pain that they feel, they will run away and enter another one. Because that pain was supposed to produce patience. And when that patience has run its course, done its work, it says you will be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So the devil might have orchestrated it so that you will lack. But God says, I will use it to make you even more sufficient. Come on, are you with me? More entire, lacking nothing. Please say this with me. Say pain can be useful. Hallelujah. Preach it to someone by your side. Say pain can be useful. Can be useful. The second thing I want to talk about is this. Pain is common. Oh God, listen, we practice what I call social media Christianity. For some reason, a lot of people think that the definition of faith is to only talk about your wins. People hardly talk about their woes, the things that they've gone through. When you see the Psalms of David, they are full of Psalms of victory, of praise, and of tribulation. There is a lot to learn from what David went through, but you don't really see a lot of that. And we have, especially for men of God, a picture of a superhero, a superhuman. And unfortunately, a lot of people in trying to teach us faith don't tell us what they go through. And a lot has been lacking in the body of Christ because of that. Because of all the things to learn from Abraham, the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. That is a lesson worth a thousand sermons. Just by his example. Please, are you with me? And so, when someone, for instance, is going through something, she thinks he's the only one in the world. He thinks he's the only one in the world. Guess what? Because many Christians don't share their stories. We put on our Sunday bests. We act like we hide our scars. And we cover it with Christianese. You know, let me say this. There are some faith teachings that are necessary but can be potentially harmful, unintentionally so. When everyone who is sick says, I am strong, there is a problem. Are you with me? First and foremost, are you aware it is not exactly a Bible teaching? Some of you are just knowing. Oh, my God, all those extra christians you want to join the queue in the bank or in the ATM, you say, sorry, are you the last? I'm not the last, I'm the first. Calm down, bro. Okay, you're not the last. When I enter here, don't come back, oh. <laughs> the elevator door opens. So, are you going there? I'm not going. I'm. Ne- they can fight you. I'm going up, up only, above only, never beneath. When Jesus was going to get Gethsemane, he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Many religious people are like Peter. When Jesus said, I will die, Peter grabbed him and said, stop saying that. Why will you confess that? And Jesus responded, get thee behind me, Satan. Who would you have thought is the Satan? Are you getting this? So there's a lot to learn. I can dwell on this. this is a lesson. So I think that there, is, there are lessons to learn. when, when Paul is talking about Epaphroditus, and he said he was sick, even unto death. He says, "And God had mercy on me, lest I sorrow upon sorrow." And you, you could see the vulnerability of the man of God. I think that that's powerful. Please are you with me? And so that when people go through the same thing, they know God who brought him out of it, brought her out of it, will bring me out too. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when you only share your victories, people will think there's something wrong with them because they're going through what everyone goes through. The social media Christianity, because everybody only shares the best pictures on social media. Haven't you noticed every relationship is happy on social media? Everybody is smiling. This is important. I want to, (laughs) and especially when it comes to what I call the Christianese, all these languages, you know, let me show you a text. (laughs) Look at Psalm 107, verse 2. I've never shared on this before, but I think it's about time. And I think I'm going to create another service to dwell on all of this in detail. Look at Psalm 107, verse 2. Everybody read loud as again one, two, go. You know, so, I, I mean, there are songs on this, nice songs. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you are redeemed, say it. Is that what, is, is that what the text means? Now, read from verse 1. Go, go to verse 1, and everybody read together, one, two, go. Verse 2, read together, I want to go. Hold on. What is he asking you to say? That his mercies endure forever. That's what he's asking you to say. In fact, you know, someone jokingly said, let the reading of the Lord say so, meaning and so. You know, (laughs) we see interpretation must be taught to the church. I remember when I was reading Thessalonica years ago and Paul told the church, I was coming to you, but Satan hindered me. I was like, does ah. Paul lack faith? What kind of confession is this? Satan. Do you understand? And I'm just like, yeah, there are, there are a lot of wonderful things we've learned in the church. But I, I can't picture a Christian today talking like that. Maybe we're more religious than God. You know, when when God gave Peter food to eat, he said, no, Lord. He corrected God. God had not read the book of Leviticus. (laughs) Another thing is, you you think you are strong, but you're actually weak. You think that by saying, I feel sick, it hinders the power of God. You are wrong. You are wrong. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It might even be a greater sign of weakness. You can't even tell your own story. Um, Yesterday my enemy was sick. Who's who's your enemy? (laughs) Who is your enemy? (laughs) Hallelujah. I think it's powerful. I've talked to many great people who have stories they've never shared. And I know one thing for sure. If they share those stories, it will save lives. The Bible says, even our high priest, you don't have a high priest that is not touched with the feeling of your what? It is common. It is common. Turn your Bibles, 1 Corinthians Time moves fast when we're having fun. Are you learning anything at all? First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. It may feel like the world is on your shoulder right now, but the person sitting by your side, if they tell you stories, <laughs> if they tell you stories, if people tell you what they've been through, you will be afraid of fear. <laughs> people, they see things. You, you think you are broke. <laughs> I remember those days in school, you know, in a private university, and, you know, people are talking about their broke stories, and I'm just, I'm just looking at these children like, you don't plant a way do for your backyard before. You're not broke. Have you seen the kind, the kind of brokenness you will open your agritus book? You, you have not farmed before. You have not, you have not farmed before. Yeah, no. <laughs> you will, you will, you will, be, you will start learning the different types of soil. <laughs> <in there. laughs> you do. When you, there was a time we we'll plant water leaf, we we'll pluck it like it's just sugar, Maggie. I, I say sugar, sorry, salt, Maggie. For almost the whole year, no meat. It was one of the ways we celebrated birthday meets. You know, and I I was born into privilege. So for all those things to disappear, it wasn't easy. When it was, I I mean, you see, I've lived in an uncompleted building before. Can you believe that? I don't look like a door. Calm down. So sometimes when people try to tell me stuff, I'm like, tell me about it. <laughs> you suffered. So really. And it's not competition. I'm not trying to prove to you I've suffered more than you. <laughs> you I'm looking at some of you, you've probably had it worse. I'm just playing. No, I'm not. But <laughs> the point is, it's come on. Are you with me? It's come on. Hallelujah. And then the next thing I want to talk about is this. Pain can be prophetic. It's prophetic. I mean, see, when you have a bird's eye view of the story of Joseph, and this is the thing that the Bible gives us the privilege of, to see stories in retrospect, is such a powerful thing that God knows that Joseph is in his father's house and is enjoying plenty, but very soon, all those resources will be gone. The livestock will be gone. The food will be gone. This rich family in 30 years will be poor. And the only place that will have food is Egypt. And so God orchestrates it in such a way that he is pushed to the place that will give him advantage for the time of famine. He doesn't know it at the time. It looks like a series of disadvantaged situations from one world to another. Your own brothers betray you. They try to kill you. They sell you off like a slave. Sell you like property. You end up in Potiphar's house. As as if that's not bad enough, you're wrongly accused, then you're thrown in jail. Please, are you listening? But... In retrospect, and that's what I'm saying, what if someone came to you with a business proposition and saying, this is the best economics genius in the world, and tells you by projection in 30 years there will be farming, the only place that there will be plenty is Egypt. The only way you can get into Egypt is if they sell you off as a slave. Some of you will volunteer. And if you think I'm lying, look at the statistics, what people go through to escape this country. People enter deserts. Am I lying? Or have you not seen it? Haven't you seen people entering the rudder of of an airplane, hiding (laughs) under, that's the crazy one, somewhere under a ship on the ocean? That's the one I can't get over. And thousands of people die every year and people don't care. People still try it. Looking for greener. you on, on your own. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the story of Joseph is only a good story for many of us because we know how it ended. What about your own story? Just what if all the disadvantages you are going through has developed toughness? Listen, some of you know what I'm saying. You see, eh? that hustle, that hustle that is in your vein, that thing that can never be taken away from you, that entrepreneurial spirit that the world is talking about when it comes to Nigerians. Now so far, ha. Have you heard the saying necessity is the mother of what? Invention. There's a way, so you become creative. <laughs> <laughs> you become creative. Have you, have you learned how to repair things before? Fan, iron, you know, why did you why, where did all those skills come from? You know, if I don't repair it, that's all. You open physics textbook. Capacitor. You see? All those things they were teaching you, you didn't listen. (laughs) You started joining YH. (laughs) You make things. (laughs) Hallelujah! Pain can be prophetic. If you are going to interpret dreams in the palace, you must have had ample rehearsal time in prison. When nobody is clapping for you, they may not even think it's phenomenal. They have no reward for you. Please, are you with me? That's where you build resume in the wilderness. Amen, somebody. So, just to be sure you're following, what's number one? What's number two? What's number three? <laughs> now, just listen to this one and allow me land, All right. Pain is required. Pain is required. mother of two of the disciples came to Jesus and said, said, I have a request. I want my sons to sit on the left and on the right in heaven. And Jesus' question to her immediately was, are you ready to drink of the cup that I will drink of? or to be baptized with the baptism that I will be baptized of. You know what he's telling them? This glory that you seek will only be possible through suffering. You see, this is a Christian teaching that we hardly hear. I think I touched on it a little last week. He says, if so be that we suffer with him that we may be glorified together. There is no resurrection without crucifixion. No resurrection. You have to understand that in Gethsemane, all options were exhausted. Jesus said, if it is possible, if there's any other way, (laughs) let this cup pass over. There was no other way. No other way but the cross. Are you with me? No other way. You will go through it. And so God's response is, my strength, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. There are some things that you must go through. Please, are you listening to me? You just must go through it. You just must go through it. (sighs) Hallelujah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. I've said it a million times, I will say it a million times more. The fact that he is with me in the darkness, it means that I am not experiencing hardship because I strayed away from his plan. I'm not experiencing hardship because I strayed away from his plan. He's with me, and his rod and his staff comforts me. In this world, you will go through tribulations. Not only will it happen, sometimes it's required. So that when you are comforting like Paul, you can say, God of all comforts comforts with the comfort wherewith we also are comforted. When people come to you and you say, I've been there, brother. (laughs) From experience, you can say, bring out your notes. Let me tell you what to do. This is how I came out of it. Come on, are you with me? When someone is going through pain, it is one thing to bring out a textbook and say seven ways, but when you go to someone and say, I have experienced it before, there is a level of assurance. Come on, have you experienced that before? When you went to someone with your pain and you say, oh, the person says, I went through that. That alone is like a thousand embrace. It's required. It's required. It's required. It's required. I mean, think about it. And I'm spiraling into my final point. And please listen very attentively. Come on, are you with me? When you look at Philippians chapter 2 that we read earlier from verse 5. You are not just reading about the history of Jesus. You are not just reading about what happened to Jesus. Oh, well, he died and God also has highly exalted him. The exaltation was required. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was part of the plan. He was obedient unto death even the death of the cross, God also has highly exalted him. So when the Bible says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, so what are we to see? What are we to learn from his story? And I will tell you what. The Bible says, who for the joy set before him. Are you with me? Listen to me, please. Listen to me. Let me calm down so that this will sink in. If you are a child of God, remember that your hero, went to the cross and came back alive. That does something to your perspective about suffering. Jesus has changed your perspective of suffering forever. Because, I mean, the worst thing that can happen to anyone is to die. Now, the author and the finisher of your faith went to the cross, went to the grave three days, three nights, and came out. That is another school of faith. Listen, I believe that the only way to really handle suffering the Bible way is to trust God that his limitations are not your limitations. The reason why you are so sad and perturbed about what you are going through is because you see nowhere else. God, God doesn't see any. God is not stranded. So someone died three days and three nights and... He was raised back to life. So what do you see? You see a God without limits. Without limits. From the natural standpoint, maybe as a doctor, you try your best for someone who is sick and then eventually, God forbid, the person dies. And then you go to the parents and say, God forbid, I tried my best. But not God. Even three days after, something can be done. Are you with me? (laughs) So, listen to this. So, the Bible tells us about Abraham. I want you to open Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, my God. Listen, if you get what I'm about to say, we can pray because I'm done. Jesus, Jesus, oh, Lord, help me, help me, help me to explain this. Help me to explain this. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17. So background to the story, there's so much I can explain about this because there's a lot of prophetic imagery here. God, one of the things he abominated was child sacrifice. So it's never allowed. Are you with me? In fact, the reason why God was going to bring the children of Israel into the promised land, one of the reasons he was going to make the people who were occupying the promised land before to be driven out is because they performed child sacrifices. And he warned the Israelites, don't do it. Otherwise, you also will be driven out. So God is firm on that. But now, surprisingly, God tells Abraham, take your son and offer him to me. So Abraham doesn't really know. Of course, if he knew the word of God, he would have known that God would never ask him to do that. And that some prophetic imagery was to be intimated. God wanted to use Abraham, who was supposed to be the father of faith, to show us how God is going to give his son. So it was a demonstrative prophecy. Do you understand what I'm saying? If he knew God well enough, he would have known that the lamb was waiting for him there, just by knowing God. But anyway, he doesn't know. So how does Abraham handle this? He really thought God wanted him to kill his son. And so he took Isaac. Why would he do that? The Bible tells you this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Do you know what it means? First and foremost, you wait a century to have your first son. Then God comes after and says, take that son. This son that you promised that in him shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now you want to take him. So Abraham had two choices. To think God is not faithful. God changed his mind. But Abraham knows God is too faithful to change his mind. So what did Abraham think? The Bible tells us. This is so powerful. Are you with me? Verse 19. Look at verse 19. The Bible says he concluded. Hey, God didn't tell him this. He concluded based on his understanding of the faithfulness of God. Are you with me? The Bible says he concluded that God was able to raise him up. Listen, Abraham's thought process was this. If God told me that in Isaac shall my seed be called, and God is asking me to offer up Isaac, it means that God plans to raise Isaac up. It was easy for him to arrive at that conclusion than to think that God's word will fail. So he expected, he thought... By the way, I'm not just buying his thoughts. There's a lot of reasons that's wrong, all right? But he thought that Isaac will actually die and rise again. He believed it was an easier thing for God to do than for his word to fail. Can you imagine that? Now, listen to me. Listen to me. That is such a very important and profound teaching on how to handle suffering. Because you see, the one that controls your life Is all-powerful. The reason you cried when the business failed is because you didn't think it can come back. The reason you cried when at an old age, what you consider an old age, you think the biological clock is ticking, that relationship broke is because you didn't think there's anything God can do. But when you are dealing with a God Who sees no limitations? Who can do all things? It changes your perspective to suffering. No wonder Paul says, I know whom I believed. He's able to keep that which I've committed to his hand. Do you understand what I'm saying? And this was the perspective of Jesus. It is one thing for you to endure flogging. It is one thing for you to endure scourging, But for you to be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross... It means, oh my God, oh my God. You know what? He said, you will not leave my soul in hell. You will not suffer your holy one to see corruption. Meaning, even in Hades, your hand can reach there. You can restore what is broken. You can restore what is dead. He says, when you believe in God that way, he says, looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him. So meaning, that pain, you can see the end of it. Oh, Jesus. What if God helped your spiritual sight, your prophetic sight this way? The natural man sees no end. You can see the end of it for the joy is set before him. This is the, the spiritual protocol for enduring hardship. He saw an end for the joy set before him. He endured the pain, he despised the shame. He saw the end. To endure it, you must see the end. You must see a faithful God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, either in this world or in the world to come, there will be a just recompense of reward for every pain, every trial you go through in the Lord. Until you believe that, until you believe that, you have not understood the concept of suffering. if someone dies God can raise him up you understand that don't you and so in a burial ceremony Jesus begins to preach a sermon let me explain to you people he said I am the resurrection and the life he that believes in me will never die he says do you believe this from a natural standpoint, we can't see very far. We can't see, you know, very far beyond our feet. And so we have every tendency to see the finality of this current life. That, I mean, if everything ends there, it's all over. But there is such a thing as, it, as eternity. More real than this current one. And so Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time Are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Have you reckoned it so? If you reckon it so. You will know that not a single pain. Not a single sweat is wasted in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not a single pain. Not a single sweat. Unfortunately this is a hope that atheists don't have. Because you see. If it ends here, it ends here. But the Bible says there is hope for a tree. Even if it is cut down, it says at the scent of water, listen, one day our master is coming. The Bible says at the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise up. Do you believe that? If anyone ever dies and you pray for the person to rise up, Whether it happens there or not. Understand that you are praying a prayer that will happen eventually. Either right now or when Christ comes. Praying for someone who died in Christ to rise up. That's answered prayer already. The problem is we have different senses of urgency. You may want it now. And because... (laughs) We are human. We can't we, all we can see is now. But when you can trust God with your lifetime like that, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If Jesus could trust God with his life, what will you do with your business? What will you do with your marriage? What will you do with your relationship? What will you do with your health? Come on, are you with me? huh. I trust him. trust him. The reason the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Please, are you getting this? So here is what I'm proposing to you. You serve an all powerful God. Show it in suffering. Show it in suffering. Show it in suffering. In the will of God, if it hasn't happened after hundred years, You are still not late. He can revive dead wombs. Are you with me? He can revive dead bones. He can revive dead blood. He can replace body parts. He can restore your youth. He can give you a future and a hope. Trust Him with your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Cast all your cares on Him. Because He cares for you. He cares for you and He's all-powerful. Trust Him with your life. And then you come to the conclusion of Paul. I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, nor persecution, nakedness, peril, or sword will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ do you believe that today? Come on, I said, do you believe that today? Yes. So what I want you to do, listen, some of you, you're already going through such a hard time. Some of you have an advantage. This is training for the future. What I want you to do is this. Make your boast in God and say, God, my life is in your hands. I trust you. There is nothing that can happen in my future that will make me feel Oh my God, I'm in despair. This is something you can't handle. I trust you with my life. Can you trust him with your life? So the next time you think about your future and anything makes you anxious, hand it over to God. He says, casting all your cares on him because he what? He was obedient unto death. Let me tell you something. Even if there's an agreement, maybe there's a scientific invention that says if you die, after three days, we'll raise you. It takes trust to go through with the plan. Yes, it's part of the plan. But I go to the cross willingly. I die and I'm going to wait three days. That's trust. And the Bible says that's your example. Meaning, there are times I'll be in situations I cannot control. You know, that's a lot of things, that's something a lot of charismatic Christians can't deal with. It doesn't matter how many miracles you've performed on the earth, when you die, someone else has to raise you up. Are you aware? So, what happens when you are at the end of yourself? You're looking at that business. Maybe it's it's your account balance. You're looking at it. This one needs resurrection. (laughs) God has to blow air. (laughs) God has to blow air on that business. What I'm talking to you is about creative miracles. Do you believe? Can we pray? Can we worship for a bit? Do you trust God with your life? You know he can see your heart. And if you do, he can see it. I want to give you a few minutes, worship him and thank you. Worship him and thank him. 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 Worship him, and thank him. Hallelujah. So if the devil throws his best shots, he is still a defeated fool. Yes, you believe that? Yes. Uh-huh. So for Paul to say, what what, what can separate me? He, he, he has looked into the devil's arsenal and he knows that there is nothing there that is greater than he that is in him. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is nothing the devil can do to me that will make me in despair be like oh God wow we've not seen this one before nothing shall be able that's how to worship that's how we fight our battles hallelujah listen to me when we are talking about developing a strong jaw in the kingdom it is not an excuse not to function in power but it is actually a very big secret in power. There is a dimension of power that comes when you are the end of yourself. Only when you are the end of yourself. It is only after three days. The Bible says, wherefore God also. That's that's the response. Meaning you were willing to lose it all. So the reason you want God to revive the business is for his name's sake. Come on, are you with me because at the end of the day just like paul said i have learned to abound and abase you have you have learned contentment so so it is for his work for the kingdom for his namesake that's why you want the business alive and then when he has seen where your priority is where your desire is that you desire him more than things even if he wants things for you his question is do you love me more than this He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also, just when everyone thought it was over, just when everyone thought there was no more way, no more answer, he stepped in. Listen, you have ample examples in the Bible. God knows how to step in when everyone thought it was too late. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening.